Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I'm so uh, grateful that you're here this morning. Isn't it awesome what we're doing with, with Power Kids Sunday? It's so cool that they're just going right across the street and uh, so they can all go. And uh, We have a great facility over there. We just don't use it anymore because we have a better facility. And uh, so it's awesome that we're doing that. I'm very excited. All right, I've got, I've got two things on my heart that I wanted to share with you this morning before I preach. Uh, Kurt last week talked about Refresh. And uh, those of you that were here last week, uh, the week before that, we did Ground Zero and Power Kids services on Wednesday. Then on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we did Ground Zero services. And we did Ground Zero for junior high and high school for four nights in a row. And we had some incredible, amazing services those four nights. And we had over 450 teenagers come to church four nights in a row. Now, let me stop and say it slowly. Teenagers, okay? They came to church. Yeah, come on. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. And uh, it was just absolutely incredible. Folks, I just want you to, first off, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you and how thankful I am for you. And we are reaching kids and teenagers. Would you look at your neighbor and say, we? Yeah. You did, y'all did a lot better job than the first service. Y'all did good. Amen. Okay, we are reaching teenagers, okay? And it's not just us doing it. We're doing it together. And we did a baptism. Kurt talked about that. We had 20 teenagers uh, who were water baptized. Two things happened in those services. We had teenage boys crying, okay? Only God can do that. And we had girls who got baptized in their clothes. They showed up. They didn't know they, they didn't, hadn't decided if they were going to be baptized, and they got baptized in their clothes. And, uh, you know, only, I mean, women don't want to get their hair wet, right? I mean, you know, if I had a tank and said, we're all going to get you ladies wet, y'all be running out the door. I mean, only God can do that. Amen. And you know, one of the things that happens is it's called the anointing. In the Old Testament, uh, they would take oil and pour on the priest, and that oil represented the presence of God. Well, here at Tulia Christian Fellowship, when you come up for prayer, a lot of times we anoint you with oil, and that represents the presence of God. Now, we don't pour it on your head because we know that you're going to go eat after church, and we don't want to mess it up. But we do put a little on our finger, and we put it on your forehead. Well, when God manifests himself, which is called the anointing, one of the reactions to that is tears. And when God touches you, it softens your heart and it makes you cry. It's a mistake to think, oh, well, that's just emotion. You know, the kids are all emotional and nothing really happened. And I don't like emotional services. And so I don't want to be a part of that. Well, it's not emotion. Okay. It's so much more than that. And we had, we had kids receive Christ as their savior. Uh, We had kids water baptized. We had kids rededicate their lives. Listen, God is moving in Tulia among our kids and teenagers. This last week in Power Kids, we had 156 kids and leaders. Okay, now I'm talking kindergarten through fifth grade. All right, there was like 142 of them, folks. That's like herding cats, amen? I mean, I've got, imagine this room packed with kindergarten through fifth grade, and I'm trying to get you to be quiet so I can talk. Okay, it's, it's a, it, only God can do it, amen? But amazing things are happening, and I'm just, I'm thankful, and I'm grateful that y'all are a part of it, and I don't want to just move on and not talk about it, and I'm very grateful. As I look across this room, I see many volunteers who volunteer, and, and those of you who give, and those of you who pray, and I'm thankful. Here's the second thing that I want us to do this morning. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for our Tulia football team and for our coaches. Let me tell you what's on my heart. Our boys haven't won a football game this year. And I know you, you may think, well, that's just football, Pastor. There's a lot more things going on than that. And I agree there are. 
But I don't want our boys to be discouraged, and I don't want them to be disheartened, and I don't want our coaches to be discouraged and to be disheartened. And so I, I want to pray. And I just want to pray God's grace over them. Uh, I want to pray that they win a game, they win some games, and that they do not go all year long and not win a game. We have a great group of boys who play football. They work very hard. They're very diligent. It's not because they're not hard workers, and it's not because of the coaches. And so as a church, I want us to pray. And uh, so if you would, you join me, bow your head, please. And I'm going to pray and we'll agree together. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I want to lift up our Tulia football team. Father, I want to lift up our Tulia coaches and staff. And Father, we pray grace over them. Lord, we pray they are encouraged and not discouraged. We pray that they have heart and that they're not disheartened. Father, strengthen them, encourage them as they go into practice this week, Father God, that you give our coaches wisdom, you give them insight, you give them hope and courage, and that, Father God, they're able to put together what they need to do to win some games the rest of this year. Father, that your grace is on our football team. We're thankful, Father, for our coaches. We're thankful for our young men who play football, for all the athletic programs, God, but that your hand would be on our football team and that we would win some games the rest of this year and that your grace is on them in Jesus' Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. And it matters to the boys is what's important. All right. I'm very excited this morning. I'm starting a new series this morning, something that I've had on my heart, uh, something that I've been studying since back in the summer. If you were here during the summer, I spent the entire summer doing a series called uh, Truth That Changed Our Life. And I went through very, very several things that changed us and helped us. And if I wanted to include this, but the reason I didn't is because there's more to it than just one Sunday. So over the coming weeks, I'm going to talk to you about something that really helped Vicki and I and uh, really worked well in our marriage. When Vicki and I, uh, in our young life, when we begin to date and we begin to have a courtship, uh, you know, my father had been killed in an accident. My mom was a homemaker. She had never worked. And uh, after my father was killed, she got a job and she went to work. And where she went to work, Vicky worked there. Don't think God isn't moving. Amen. So she got, man, that wasn't a very good amen. All right, thank you. That's better. All right. And, uh, and so my mom uh, went to this job, and she met Vicky, and she brought her home to our house one afternoon, and she had on this cute little gray pantsuit. I'll never forget it. And I looked at her. Uh, oh, that's burned in my brain. She was sitting on the couch. I won't go into any more details than that. She was sitting on the couch. I saw her. She saw me, and she instantly wanted me. I mean, it was like... <laughs> It was, I mean, I, I mean, she, she wanted to get married that weekend. And I said, we can't, we can't. Yeah, you know better, right? Amen. Uh, my, my mom had some kind of banister. I can't even describe it. And, and I stood up on it and with my arms and I was swinging my feet back and forth like a monkey. Uh, and I, I, I think I was just so nervous. Uh, so thank God she saw past that. Amen. So well, we begin to date, and our courtship was pretty short, and I'm not recommending that for anybody, but our courtship was pretty short, and uh, we were in Amarillo, and we were at uh, the Canyon Eway in Western, and I was turning right there to get on the service road to get on the Canyon Eway to take her back to her, uh, her house in Canyon, and as I turned there, uh, I said this to her. I said, hey, what are you going to do with your apartment when you get married? 
Now, I didn't say when we get married, but I said when you get married. And she told me later, she said, I never heard, heard, had any guy talk about marriage on the first date. And, you know, I mean, I didn't want a girlfriend, man. I needed a wife. I had to get on with my life, right? I mean, I needed to get a house and some cooking and cleaning done and some, you know, I had stuff to do, right? So, so I was pretty quick in our relationship Well, we got married. And after we got married, you know, you go through those early stages of your relationship, the first few weeks, the first few months, and then problems can crop up. Now, when Vicki and I began to date, we were very different. And I loved that about her. She was this little 90-pound thing, and I always used to say that she was 90 pounds and all mouth. And she was very opinionated. She was very, uh, I mean, there was no black and white in her life, and I loved that about her. And, uh, you know, I was different than her, and she was different than me. Well, then here's what happens. You get married, and then the thing that drew you to your mate begins to irritate you. Now, I'm talking about marriage right here, but th what I'm going to show you includes uh, other relationships in your life. So I began to be irritated with Vicki, and I wanted her to quit being the way she was. Then she was irritated with me, and she wanted me to quit being the way I was. And we kind of created this standoff in our relationship, and we began to kind of lob bombs at each other over this wall that we'd created. And here's what we do in our relationships. What draws us to each other, and you know a lot of times opposites attract, but then once you get together, it creates a train wreck and creates problems. And so then here's what we want to do. See, the Bible says in Genesis that God created us in his own image. Well, then in my marriage, I wanted to create my wife in my own image. You see, I didn't want her to be who she was anymore. I didn't like who she was anymore. I wanted her to become like me. And so I set about trying to mold her into who I wanted her to be instead of who she was. Well, long story short, we started having some problems. And uh, we got together, and she said, hey, we need to go to some marriage counseling. And so we went to Lubbock, Texas. There's a Trinity Fellowship in Lubbock. And we made an appointment, and we went to some counseling sessions. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, you went to marriage counseling? Absolutely, I went to marriage counseling. Well, what made you go? I wanted to stay married. That's what made me go. And so let, let me encourage you in counseling, okay? You know, when I put my hand right up in front of my face, I cannot see the uh, imprints and texture in my hand. But when I pull it back further, I can see. Listen, strong people go to counseling. All right, here's what happens when you go to counseling. See, it's hard to see your own life because you're living it. But when you bring a third party in, they can see things you don't always see. So we went to marriage counseling, and it helped us. And the first couple of weeks that we went, they gave us a personality test. And here's what we found out. I didn't know it, but there were four basic God-given personality styles or temperaments. And we took this simple little test. And I'm going to tell you this morning how you can get on and take this simple test. And it so helped us. Here's what I found out. I found out that Vicki's personality was God-given. It was given to her by God before the foundation of the world. That before her mom and dad ever met, God had a personality for her and he had a personality for me. And that her personality was not going to change and I was not supposed to change it. And that my personality was not going to change. And that God wanted me, created me the way I was, created me with my temperament, created her with her temperament. And that we complemented each other instead of rubbing each other the wrong way. And it helped us tremendously. 
I think two things that have helped us more than anything in our marriage was when we found out what our love language was, and her love language is acts of service, and anytime I want to show my wife that I love her, I help her whether it's run the vacuum, do dishes, whatever, I always ask her, honey, what do you need me to do to help you? Lots of times she says nothing, and I do this. Ah. <laughs> and then sometimes she says, yeah, well, I'm watching football yesterday. Honey, do you need me to help you? Yes, I do. Ah. <laughs> Come on, right? But I'm, I'm a dutiful husband, so I got up and I helped her. Then when she found out that my love language was quality time, listen, it helped us. When we found out these four basic personality styles, it really helped us in our relationship, and we stopped trying to change each other. Listen to this. It's so powerful and important. You can be different and not wrong. You can be different and not wrong. See, here's what we do. Our mates are different than us, but then we want to tag it as wrong. And so then I'm going to go about changing you and making you into somebody that I think you need to be. And that's not the way God planned it and the way God ordained it. I'm going to read some scripture to you this morning. I'm going to read to you first out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 7. This is uh, out of the King James Version of the Bible. Listen to what this says. Likewise, husbands... Dwell together with them, them as wives. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to your wife as unto the weaker vessel. It doesn't say she's the weaker vessel. It says treat her as if she was, which basically means treat her as something that has value. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, I wanted to focus on one sentence. He says, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Now, I read this verse to you a couple of weeks ago, but it's important. I want to emphasize it to you. Sometimes we know so little about the people we love the most. I'm amazed at how we're married, and you hadn't read a book on marriage in 10 years because you're not interested in reading a book on marriage because you're perfectly happy with your marriage. And you're in the recliner watching football, and she's in the back bedroom plotting your death. <laughs> right? Right, and, 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 you, and, you, and you think you have this great marriage, and, and we're not interested in learning, we're not interested in growing. The verse says, dwell together in knowledge, all right? Here's what I'm going to do the next few weeks. I'm going to help you know your mate better. Gentlemen, I'm going to help you know your wife better. Ladies, I'm going to help you know your husband better. Now, this also applies to your children. It can apply to your friends. It can apply to the people you work with. Knowledge is a good thing, not a bad thing. The next verse I want to read is John 8, 32. Now, this is the New Living Translation, and it says, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a very common verse in the Bible, and I know it talks about a lot of different things that I could talk about, but the thing I would like for you to see this morning is, again, when you learn the truth about your mate, when you learn who they are, when you learn what motivates them, when you learn what doesn't motivate them, it makes a huge difference in your relationships. I want to read you one more verse, Psalms 139, verses 13 through 15. This is New King James Version. It says, For you formed my inward parts, talking about God. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that. Marvelous are your works. Listen, that's talking about you. 
It says, marvelous are your works. We're the works of God. You are the works of God, ladies and gentlemen. And God attaches the word marvelous to you. Now listen to me. I don't have to tell you this. I know you know it. Every one of you in this room have different fingerprints. There's not another person on planet earth that has the same fingerprint you do. You do something bad and you leave a fingerprint, they can find you because there's not five people with your fingerprint. You are the marvelous works of God. The personality you have, the giftings you have, the strengths you have, the weaknesses you have are God-given. God created you exactly the way he wanted you. You're not an accident. You were purposed and planned and designed by God. My wife has strengths and weaknesses. I have strengths and weaknesses, and we fit together perfectly. And God designed it that way. You know, one of the mistakes we make is we think, well, I need you to change, and I need you to be different, when in fact that's the way God designed you. Let me keep reading. Listen to what it says. It says, my soul knows very well my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, here's what I want you to see before I move on. You're exactly who God wanted you to be. And he loves you. You're exactly who he wants you to be. And he loves you. One of the biggest mistakes we make is trying to be somebody else. Listen, stop trying to be somebody else and be you. Stop trying to make the people in your life be somebody else and let them be who God's called them and created them and designed them to be. You have a God-given personality. You have a God-given gifts, talents, love languages, all of that. Now, in the coming weeks, I'm going to start this morning. I'm going to show you these four basic personality styles, okay? You're not any one of these completely. You're not 100%. All right, one of them generally dominates, but maybe you may be a mixture. You can be a mixture of all of them, but you may not have a dominant one. Now, you can get on our uh, Tui Christian Fellowship Facebook page. You can also get on our website, tcf.church, and I want to encourage you to. This week, there's a simple test that you can take. Gentlemen, ladies, I want to encourage you, get on this week, get on our Facebook page, get on our website, and take this simple test, and it'll help you see what your personality style is. Now, I'm going to briefly show you all four of them, then I'm going to take time in the coming weeks and teach on them more in depth. But as I talk about these, you're going to instantly recognize people. You're going to recognize people in your family, and you're going to go, oh, that's why they're the way they are. Oh, that's why they do that. Sometimes it's harder to see in yourself what you are, but you always can see it in others. All right, here's the first one. The first one is the lion, okay? This is the first personality style. Now, why animals, Pastor? Well, Gary Smalley, who's a Christian psychologist, uh, wrote a book called The Two Sides of Love. And if you're interested in more in-depth teaching on this, I would encourage you to get that book. It's called The Two Sides of Love. And what he did was he took the four personality styles and he gave each one of them an animal. Why am I using animals? Because I know you'll remember it. That's why I know you'll remember it. The first personality style is called the powerful line. All right, this person is very easy to get along with. You know why? Here's all you have to do. Do it their way now. How many of you know somebody like that? Yeah, how many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? Put your hand down, okay. Right, all right, here's the thing. The lion, uh, 
the lion is just like a natural lion. What do we call a lion? The king of the beasts, right? King of the jungle. Lions are leaders. Lions are in charge. Lions know what to do. Lions know what they need to do, and they know what you need to do. And they're not afraid to tell you. And it doesn't make them always popular. That's the lion. The second one is the otter. Now, while the lion is achieving, don't you love my otter? While the lion is achieving, the otter is talking. Quit laughing, Vicky. <laughs> Otters in nature are what? Well, they're playful. They're looking for the party. They're always wanting to have fun. You've seen those nature videos, you know, where it snows and the, lion, the, the otters go up and they slide down. Okay, that's the otter, okay? The lion wants to eat the otter, okay, while, while the otter is having fun. All right, now, I don't want, I don't want you to miss this, okay? Uh, the lion is succeeding and the otter is talking. The otter's having fun. The otter's partying. Now, partying, not pottying. Okay, okay, I got that wrong. Okay, uh, this is my predominant personality style. Okay, my wife is the lion. Lou, who's a tremendous part of our team, is a lion, and two of my good friends are lions. I don't know what God's thinking. Do you? I mean, I'm the otter, and He has four lions in my life. Uh, now, I'll explain that more to you later. But the otter is always looking to have fun, always looking to have a good time, and, uh, and that describes me. Okay, the next one is the beaver. The beaver is the perfect beaver. The beaver's always thinking. The beaver's the person that when they paint their house, it takes six weeks because they're perfectionists. And they clean all the windowsills with toothbrushes, and they paint it perfectly. It has to be perfect. Everything in their life has to be perfect. And they're always analyzing, and they're always thinking. When a beaver takes notes, they use graph paper. Okay? And everything has to be lined out and has to be straight. Okay, that's the beaver. All right, then the fourth one is the golden retriever, and this is the peaceful golden retriever. Don't you? Isn't this dog cool? Look at the size of that thing, man. The, thing, the miracle of the internet, amen? Now, what are golden retrievers? Well, they're loyal. They're loyal, okay? The person that has this personality, they're loyal. They're peacemakers. They just want everybody to get along. Where the otter is an extrovert and wants to party, this, the, the, the uh, golden retriever is a little more of an introvert, and they want everybody just to be happy. They want everybody to get along, and they're, they'll be loyal to you. You can mistreat them. You can kick them. You can hold them down, and, and they'll be loyal, and they'll be faithful to you. Now, these are the four basic styles, okay? I'm thinking this morning during praise and worship, okay? You know, I love praise and worship. The otter loves praise and worship. I love standing on that front row with my hands up and my head thrown back, and I love singing with all my heart. And I have no trouble telling Jesus I love him. I have no trouble expressing my emotion, and I wonder what's wrong with the rest of you. All right, but here's the thing. See, the otter doesn't have any trouble doing it, but the golden retriever's on the back row hoping nobody notices them and hopes everybody just gets along. Okay, the beaver's critiquing everything. It's too cold, it's too hot. I don't like that song. Right? I don't like that. When are they going to do my favorite song? The lion is analyzing everything. They should have done this, they should have done that. They need to move that, they need to move this. We all have a different personality style. 
Now we have a mixture of all of these. And when you figure out which one you are, when you figure out which one your loved ones are, it makes a huge, huge difference. Now let me talk to you just a little bit. I already said this. The golden rule of the line is do it now, do it my way. They're born leaders. They're born leaders. They take charge early. If you have a small child that's lying, they want to be the boss and they want to be in charge. I've heard elementary school teachers talk about how they have small children in their class and they can run the class. They can rule the class. Ashley's had kids like that in her class and they're lines. If you have a strong-willed child and they want to tell you what to do, Vicky's mom would always laugh and tell us stories about how when Vicky was small, Vicky was in charge. Her mom always joked about the minute she was born, she knew what she wanted to do and she wasn't afraid to tell her mom what to do. One of her favorite stories is they were in some big department store on an elevator and the door opened and she had Robert, her little brother. She's a young mom in a strange town. And when the door opened, Vicky stepped off the elevator on the second floor and the doors closed and the elevator kept going. And Vicky knew where she was going and what she was doing. And her mom was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? That's the line. Here's the next thing. They're, they have a compulsive need to change things, to improve things, to correct things, to critique things. The line straightens pictures in other people's houses. You know, when they go into somebody else's house, they'll get their hanky out and dust. Man, this is dirty. Good Lord. Right? They do dishes in other people's houses. Okay? All right. That's the line. Now, let me give it to you. Okay? They see things that are out of place. They correct wrongs, and they're never indifferent. They're never indifferent. See, they know what's right, and they know what's wrong. That was what endeared me to Vicki when we first started dating. Man, she had an opinion about everything. See, I grew up in a family where we loved each other, but we were backbiters. And so we would meet and be nice, but then later we would talk about each other. Right? Maybe your family's like that. And so, you know, the joke in my family is my brother's name is Lynn. You know, we really love Lynn, but then it would start. Okay, well, that was the protocol in my family. We act good toward each other when we're, and we loved each other. It's not that we didn't, but then when we're away from each other, we talk bad about each other. Well, Vicki was a lion, and so she just said what she thought. And so she would say, oh, that one doesn't like that one. Oh, my Lord, you have violated the protocol of our family. (laughs) You, You have to be a backbiter like us. You can't do this. And so she was a lion, so she had an opinion about everything. Here's the next thing. They're strong-willed and very decisive. Goals matter more than people. Goals matter more than people. They want to get something done. I told you before about our love languages. We get up in the morning, and I want to stare into her eyes and, and count the beautiful dots in her brown eyes. And she has an agenda, and she always has things that she wants to get done. I told her this morning, I've got five lines in my life. And she said, you know why? So you can get something done. That's the lion, okay? They're very decisive. Here's the next thing. They organize well, and they can run anything. Now, Lou, and I don't want to embarrass her, Lou does the bookkeeping. She does the coffee bar. She created the coffee bar. She got all of it going, does such a good job. She decorates. I mean, the way that it's decorated in there for fall, Lou does such a tremendous job on everything. Lou's that line personality, and Lou can run anything. If Lou left the church today and went down the street and went to work at the Allsup's and became the manager down there, it would be the cleanest Allsup's. They would have number one coffee sales in the district. When you went in there, it wouldn't smell like stale ammonia and dirty socks. Or burnt burritos, okay? 
it would smell fresh, it would smell clean, and it would be well organized, and it would be the number one allsips in the district because that's her gifting and that's her heart. She would have it decorated with flowers. She would have soft, good music playing. You just want to hang out in there. Just like the coffee bar, right? You notice that? Okay, the music, the colors, the sounds, the drinks, that's all loose gifting and loose heart. And I'm not wanting to embarrass her, but that's not my heart. But that's, that's the gifting that she has. They can run anything, okay? They can work anywhere and they can run anything. They organize well. They have, a, and don't take this wrong, they have little need for friends, Okay, lines are not looking for friendship. Now, it doesn't mean they don't have friends, but there's not that strong desire. See, I want to have friends, man. I want to hang out. I'm the otter. I want to party, and I want to have friends. And if you don't like me, I mean, I'm, I'm better now. When I was young, it would crush me if you didn't like me. Now, I don't care as much. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you don't like me, I just think, what's well, your fault, right? I mean, what's not to love about Pastor Rusty? So, so they don't have a strong need for friends. And here's the reason why. Their friends can't keep up, okay? The, the, the line's high energy. Uh, they're getting after it. They're going from one thing to the next, and they're making things happen. Here's the next one. They perceive that they have no weaknesses. They perceive they have no weaknesses. Now, what does that mean? Well, see, if I don't do what they want, it's not them being pushy. It's me being lazy. They turn it on you. Okay, how many of you have somebody in your family like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, my head itches. Doesn't yours? Yeah, man. You know, you're taking your life into your own hands. Amen. Okay, I'll do it over here. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So they don't perceive that there's any weaknesses. And so when you don't do what they want, it's not, it's not their fault. It's your fault. Okay, now listen to me. Each one of these is God-given. There's not a right one and a wrong one. That's not my heart, and that's not God's heart. And we're not doing these in order of importance. Okay, I have different ones of these. I have, I have some beaver in me because I do like things in order. I do like, when I load the refrigerator at Power Kids, I like the Gatorades lined up by color, and I like the label all facing the same direction. When Vicki loads the refrigerator, she just sticks them all in there, and they're not straight, they're not neat, and they're not orderly. I don't like the old bottles staying in the back. I like to move them around to the front and put the new ones in the back. All right, I want, I want it neat. I like the refrigerator at the house organized. When we bring groceries in, I get a chair. I sit in front of the refrigerator. I like the mustard in one place, the ketchup in one place, the hot sauce in one place, and she just sticks it all in there. I organize the cabinets. I like, and when I get everything organized, and in a week, it's all right back the way it was. <laughs> all right, so I have some beaver in me, see? I like my garage cleaned out. I like my truck cleaned. Okay, I love going to Amarillo and going to the car wash on Georgia where you run it through and you drive it through and they wash it and dry it and they vacuum it out and you get in it and then halfway home, you hit a dirt thunderstorm. <laughs> Nothing makes me madder than that. I mean, one of the hardest things I do is keep my truck clean. I mean, I, I like things to be clean and orderly. So, see, you're going to have different personality styles and different traits. You're not all one thing. And one is not bad and not one is good. But when you learn which one of these your mate is, see, Vicki, now Vicki can hurt my feelings. I'm not saying she can't because she can. But I don't get them hurt as much as I used to because now I understand it's not just anger and rage. It's personality. You see what I'm saying? And so you're not as offended because you understand that's the way you are. Now, 
with just a couple minutes that I've got left, I'm going to stop. Let me show you four simple things that if you're aligned this morning, these are four little traits of things that can help you. First, you need to learn how to apologize. Let's let that soak in. I'm sorry. Somebody, they're already shaking their heads. Uh-uh. I'm not sorry. And I'm not saying it. Okay, that's the line. Yeah, I, I can see people. Uh-uh. I'm not sorry. You know, are you sorry? I guess. What are you sorry for? I don't know. Okay. Here's the next one. You need to let somebody else be right. It won't keep. No, she's shaking her head right there. There's people. I love you. Thank you, ladies. You're helping me so much. Uh Uh-uh. Nobody's right but me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the line right next to them. Amen. Here's the next one. Uh, You need to practice patience. It wouldn't hurt to be a little more patient as a line because we're not always, lines are not always patient with people because they want things done. And then here's the last one. This will really help you. You need to learn to relax. You need to learn to relax. It doesn't hurt to relax. It doesn't hurt to sit down and have coffee and learn to relax. Those are four things line can can do to help them. All right. In the coming weeks, I'm going to go through these. And I'm going to help you understand. Hopefully, you'll get online, get on uh, our Facebook page, get on our website, tcf.church, and take the test. And it'll help you see which one of these you are. Listen, this really helped Vicki and I in our marriage. Seriously, in the early days of our life, it really helped us. And when I understood who she was and she understood who I was, it made a huge difference. Y'all stand up and let's pray. <laughs> That's so good. I love y'all. Uh-uh. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Father, help them. Amen. Father, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful for the promises in your word. I'm so thankful for truth. Father, these next few weeks as we look at personality styles and we understand who we are, we understand each other. Father, it just would bring harmony. It would bring grace. It would bring strength into our lives. Father, I pray that every person here this morning, that their hearts are drawn to you, that they're strengthened and encouraged by you and by your love. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said.